And one thing, Brian, that you and I have to navigate is you really have to focus on, does it matter for parenting? Is someone's consumption, whether it be alcohol or in in Colorado, THC, does it matter for parenting? And a lot of times parents come to us and they're like, well, they use marijuana. And it's like, well, okay, tell me how that matters for parenting. If they're just sitting on the couch and eating Cheetos, like they might not be an active parent and they might not be great, but are the children in danger? Your hosts have earned a reputation as fierce and effective advocates inside and outside of the courtroom. Both partners are experienced trial attorneys who have been board certified in family law by the Texas Board of Legal Specialization. Thanks for tuning in to For Better, Worse, or Divorce, the podcast where we provide you tips and insights on how to navigate divorce and child custody situations in the state of Texas, and in this case, beyond. I'm Brian Walters, and today I'm joined by Ryan Kalamaya, managing partner of Kalamaya Gusha in Colorado. He's also a co-host of his own family law podcast called Divorce at Altitude, and I'm excited to have him on here today. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you for having me, Brian. Welcome. We're uh, excited to be here. Very good. Well, tell us a little bit about your background, where you grew up, how you got into law, where you practice now. It's a unique place and we'll go from there. Yeah. So thanks. I am a family law attorney in a little place called Aspen. I grew up in Colorado and thought I was going to be a professional baseball player until I got to college where I played Division One, but I realized that I was a, a mediocre professional baseball talent and followed my father's footsteps in pursuing law and ended up in, in family law in Aspen. How'd you choose Aspen over uh, other other places? It's not not your, you know, it's not your Denver or Boulder or Colorado Springs or something like that you'd expect in Colorado. Yeah. When I was in law school, I put my name in for uh, Broncos season tickets and thought I was going to be in Denver at a large law firm doing civil litigation. And then just kind of happenstance, you know, moved up to the mountains, got a job in a prosecutor's office. And then when Tim Tebow came along, the wait list, you know, it was 10 years when I was in law school, all of a sudden it kind of accelerated and kind of came to me that I wasn't going to be in Denver. So I kind of passed on the season tickets and stayed in in the mountains. But it was just kind of happenstance, got a job up in the mountains and then just made my my way over to, to Aspen and, and really gravitated towards family law because as listeners probably may recognize Aspen, there's a lot of wealth that comes in. And as a result, the family law disputes, the divorces tend to be very, you know, large and significant and complex. So really enjoyed being in, in the mountains, but frequently rub shoulders. We, we get a lot of Texans that come in, especially for the summer. Yes. Having, having been in many Texas summers, I can understand wanting to be up at, up at a high altitude in the mountains for sure. So I think what we could discuss today that, that'd be of interest is the very different laws that we have in Texas and in Colorado around marijuana pot. THC, whatever you want to call it. I think as time has gone on, that's been, uh, there are other states that have kind of followed Colorado's lead about legalizing it in part or in full. I know there's been Texas tourists, <laughs> call them THC tourists, that have gone to Colorado at least early on. I know I had a couple cases or situations like that where I'd have people come back. Yeah, I tested positive. I went to Colorado. But uh, I guess maybe let's start with just what the laws are in, in Colorado as it relates to that. Right now, it's 
pretty much illegal in Texas. There's some local jurisdictions that have basically said we're not going to prosecute for even if it's on the books for um, basically personal use. So uh, what do you what are the rules there? In Colorado, Colorado was one of the first states to legalize it for medicinal purposes. That was quite some time ago. And then now it's been both legalized for recreational use as well as medicinal use. So I know a lot of listeners, they hear it and it may be common in terms of usage, even though it's it's illegal in Texas. But in Colorado, we, you know, we rec- recreationalized it and then as a result, we get a lot of questions from clients about its impact in family law cases, which I think we'll we'll get into in more more detail, Brian. But you know, in Colorado, it really is it's regulated, so you can go into a store, the cannabis store, and you can buy up to particular you know amount. I think it's an ounce, but you know, it's for that, that purpose of, you know, recreational use. So there's edibles, there are tinctures, there are pills, and then you can buy loosely if there's vaporizer pens, um, all different kinds and, and they're purchased in a, in a store kind of similar to like a liquor store. And, you know, you have to be carded. It has to be above the age of 18. And then we also have kind of attendant laws in terms of using it or being under the influence of it while driving. Sure. That makes, that makes sense. And so here um, in Texas, I'm actually in California at the moment, so it's actually a lot like Colorado, but, but let's call it Texas. And um, it is generally illegal. Although again, I think it very much depends number one on the jurisdiction, but that's criminal laws, right? Is I think we're going to talk today about the the practical aspects of it in a in a case. So if it's a divorce between two adults, there are no kids. I don't think anybody anywhere cares really. But if there are kids involved, it's it can be an issue, sort of like alcohol, right? Which is legal, and um, it's a question of use and and how that affects you as a parent. And to me, I I don't think that that's terribly related to the the criminal aspects of it. And you know, I started practicing in the mid 90s in Austin, which, you know, is kind of famously not like your stereotypes of Texas. And so even back then, you know, you'd have a case where mom or dad would, you know, Saturday night, they'd light up and that would seem to be fine most of the time or maybe a minor irritant to a parent. Well, Brian, you're exactly right. In Colorado, alcohol and marijuana or THC are essentially the same because they're both legal. One of the things that we've had to navigate is how do we deal with those in parenting disputes? And so a lot of people, they may come here to Colorado and even though it's legal, there's still this stigma, certainly for some. And in Texas, that's, I mean, there is a difference within the law in terms of how it's viewed. And so what we've had to kind of go through is when it becomes a problem because alcohol, even though it is legal, it can cause problems in a parenting relationship. If, for example, a parent is driving while intoxicated to a a particular point, you know, 0.08. And we do have that in Colorado with, in terms of driving, but the sticky and no pun intended, but the difficulty is how do we deal with marijuana and THC in parenting situations? 
applications. And we don't really have any testing is the equivalent of, for example, Soberlink, which listeners may be familiar with in terms of that immediate testing or a portable breath test like that where you blow into something. We don't have that in marijuana or THC. And so, you know, we have these other issues of is it appropriate to have secondhand smoke, for example, around children. And so we can have parenting plans that explicitly deals with that. I will tell you anecdotally in Colorado, we do have to navigate, you know, the access to it because in Colorado, and I may have mistakenly said 18, but under the age of 21 in Colorado, children or anyone, because they could be over the age of 18, they can't have access or they, it's illegal for them to consume THC. And so one issue that we deal with is, you know, the, the labeling and the accessibility. So if a parent leaves, for example, marijuana in their car or just out on the table, teenagers are over there then they're curious and they can get into that. And they originally at the very beginning of having legalized marijuana, we had these edibles. So chocolates and gummies and other things that people have probably heard of, but it wasn't really apparent that they had THC. So you would hear these stories about children or parents or other people consuming a gummy and not even knowing that it had THC. So those are some of the issues that we've had to deal with in Colorado. Yeah, that sounds familiar. And uh, it's sort of like every drug and, and you know, alcohol is a drug, um, THC is a drug, and there are many, they, they each have their own particulars, right? And I think, again, there's kind of like two situations I think courts deal with. One is, does this person have a serious problem that impairs them from parenting safely right now, right? And I think that's more common with alcohol, right? They're just a really bad alcoholic. And then there's kind of the second tier to me, at least, where the judge says, well, you know, there's complaints about it and concerns, but I'm I'm not convinced it's an immediate problem, but I'm going to monitor this person. And, I'm, and, you, and the simplest way to monitor them is to simply say, don't take any alcohol or, or THC or whatever while this case is pending. And um, if it's really because inevitably one parent says this, you know, the other one has a problem with alcohol. THC, whatever the other parent says, either I don't even take it or, I, or I'm just casual user. It's no big deal. And they say, of course, I'm not an addict. And so the judge thinks, well, OK, if you're not an addict, you can just go without it for a year if that's how long this is going to pass. So then how do we monitor? And that used to be difficult with alcohol because it's um, in layman's terms, I believe it's a water based drug. In other words, it washes out of your system very quickly and there's little or no way to test for it once it's, you know, if you get really drunk the night before and you test at eight o'clock in the morning, a lot of people will be clean. And, you know, it's like you never drink alcohol versus you know, especially smoking, THC, and some other drugs that'll, since they're as I kind of, as I say, oil based, they they stay in your system. You can test for it in your hair or your nails or whatever, and they stay around a lot longer, so it, it's easier to test for. So they they each pose their their individual types of problems. I will say also that since Oana um, is still illegal in Texas, there are some jurisdictions, some of typically the more rural areas that that might view it as a problem even in light usage or recreational usage and so that's probably a difference but you can tell me if it's that if that's a difference in Colorado or if it's viewed pretty much the same everywhere 
I think, I, I mean, it really, the judge and listeners will hear this and, you know, they'll have their own reactions to it. You know, there's going to be for sure some judge that just it, it does has their own particular experience or viewpoint. I think it's really important. You know, Brian, one thing that I'm sure you counsel on people is the familiarity of, you know, the judges within terms of their relationship to a divorce and their viewpoint on, on parenting. I think that really, really matters. But in Colorado, we had these kind of, oh, the sky is going to fall. We're going to have like mass crime and mass addicts with the legalization of marijuana. We didn't really see that. And so, you know, that is, I think it's been normalized and that issue has kind of sorted itself out. And just as the turnover in the judges, you know, the older judges who may have had a little bit more traditional conservative approach on marijuana, they've kind of have moved on. So we're starting to see these younger judges. I think that that certainly has played a role. One thing I wanted to kind of respond to on some of the testing that you uh, mentioned that we you know have to deal with here in Colorado is in there have been these progressions or these advancements in alcohol. So now you can do an alcohol in ETG test where you can tell if someone has drank or consume alcohol within the last 48 to 72 hours because of the byproduct of ETG. There's also this PETH testing, which is a blood test that will say whether or not someone has been binge drinking. And, you know, I'm familiar with some of those because I just wrapped up a case in which alcohol was a major component The kind of in contrast to blood or, or rather with marijuana, if you take someone's blood test, then you can tell the active versus the inactive THC. So if someone has been consuming marijuana, like they're a regular user, they consume a gummy to go to sleep at night or they, you know, one thing that we don't have in alcohol is that you can actually have a prescription for a medical for medicinal use. So that also gets into, you know, the constitutional diagnoses, you know, where someone says I have an anxiety and I have to take THC. You don't have that with alcohol. No one's saying, well, I have to, you know, slug, you know, seven gin and tonics because my doctor told me so. And so that is kind of a unique aspect. But, you know, we if you get into the testing on marijuana, you can discern between active versus inactive, but that requires a blood test, which is really difficult to administer when you have a parent or when you're, when you're parenting. A urine test, you can see the byproduct and you can tell whether or not someone has been using THC in the last seven days or, or two weeks, but it doesn't tell you when. So, you know, and, and one thing, Brian, that you and I have to navigate is you really have to focus on, does it matter for parenting? Is someone's consumption, whether it be alcohol or in, in Colorado, THC, does it matter for parenting? And a lot of times parents come to us and they're like, well, they use marijuana. And it's like, well, okay, tell me how that matters for parenting. If they're just sitting on the couch and eating Cheetos, like they might not be an active parent parent and they might not be great, but are the children in danger? And, you know, I can tell you as a former prosecutor, I never had a domestic violence case in which someone got really stoned and then, you know, hit their ex-wife or, or soon to be ex, you know, husband, or they hit the children. Certainly I've seen it where people get drunk and that has happened. You know, you do get into these safety concerns about can they respond to an emergency, but you really, you have to connect 
connect it to the safety and the well-being of the children. But going back to the testing, you can't discern when, you know, if someone, if even if you were to allege that the consumption mattered for parenting, it has to be during the parenting time. And when you've got kind of alcohol, it's a little bit easier to test and to stop the consumption of alcohol if it's a problem with parenting. And you can't do that with marijuana in, in the same way. Yeah, I agree. It's um, They're each different or unique drugs with with unique impacts on each person. And it is difficult to, to monitor for, for a judge or anybody to monitor what's going on in either case. So yeah, definitely, definitely agree. All right. Well, we've got some uh, listener questions. We could go over those. And it sounds like the first one we've kind of answered already, but we'll go into a little bit more, but it's, um, can you request a drug test in a pending child's uh, custody case? Um, I think we've answered that question that you can, and we've talked about how that's a, um, an issue, right? Where sometimes the testing can be difficult. What are we testing for? Why, why are we trying to monitor it? All of those kind of things. I guess I'd add if, if some people have constitutional questions of why in the world can do it. Does someone get to monitor my alcohol use or, or marijuana use if I'm in a state where it's legal? And the, the short answer is because you have a child in front of the court. And essentially, when that happens, you give up a lot of your rights. The state has a right to ensure the safety of your child. And I guess you could just say, I don't care. I don't want to be a part of my kid's life and I'm going to pay child support and leave me alone. And they will leave you alone and you can do whatever you want to. But if you want to be part of your child's life and it's an issue, you're you lose a lot of your privacy, not only in, in um, what you consume, but in other things, too. Is that is that sort of the same way it is? One of the factors into the best interest of the children in Colorado, which and I assume it's the same in, in Texas because they kind of all tend to be, you know, similar. These these different factors is a parent's health, uh, both physical and mental health. And that is kind of a gateway into, you know, people's drug usage and their physical and emotional well-being, which drugs can kind of impact. So you can get a test, you can have a parent test, but again, you have to show a connection to why it matters for parenting. Just because someone uses marijuana or someone uses alcohol, it you have to, a parent's going to have to show that it's impacting the other parent's ability to parent. And usually that's based on history. It's like, this was a problem where they either lost their job or they got upset with the children or they were driving and there was some safety issue or a, a child consumed alcohol or THC because it was out. You got to show a connection in order for you to get the test to begin with. At least that's just been my experience in Colorado. Yeah, I agree with you. Courts don't want to monitor parents. They don't want to micromanage people. But but if there's a concern, then then um, it's been my experience that they will do that. The other question that we have is how do different state laws on marijuana impact interstate child custody cases? I mean, I think we've touched on this to some extent, too. You know, I, I think a it would be fairly rare, but in scenarios, say, where one parent was living in Colorado, the other was in Texas, and um, there was a custody case going on, and, and the parent in Colorado had been using marijuana, you know, let's say on a light basis, you know, once a month for Friday night or whatever. I think the Texas courts most of the time here would respect that and, and understand that that is legal there and understand that that's not 
going to substantially impact the child. The court here might say, you know, all right, but can't do it when you have the child before having the child or something like that. But I I think normally the courts can distinguish between, you know, what's a health and safety issue and a parental fitness thing versus versus a state law. You might get a court here. I mean, you might find one that was in a more conservative or rural jurisdiction that just said, well, I don't care if it's legal. I in Colorado, I I don't think it's right when you're a parent to be doing that or at all. So I guess it's conceivable that it would occur. But, you know, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, Brian, I had lunch yesterday in Aspen with a friend of mine who lives in Houston, and he was talking about bringing marijuana back with him on the plane. And I mean, that's not legal, but it is the reality is that people are kind of going back and forth. And, you know, what people do here in Colorado, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. But when you have parents, you know, what happens in Colorado, it may it may not it could come back and become an issue. And I think it really depends on the judge. It is legal here. But if again, if it's going to impact the children, if you you know want to have a holiday here in Colorado and you want to get you know stoned with uh, one of your your children, then, you know, be prepared to kind of face the music back in, in Texas. And you could have a judge that, you know, does not think kindly on that. So I think it really depends. And there's so many different circumstances in which that can matter. And likewise, I've certainly had people, clients who have thought that it's just legal everywhere. It's just commonly accepted because they're used to Colorado and gone down to Texas and, you know, gotten arrested for a felony, even though it's completely legal here. So I think it's the important thing is people need to understand the laws can vary from state to state and they need to know how that's going to impact their, you know, parenting rights, whether it be in Texas, Colorado, California, or, or wherever, you know, they may be. Yeah, I agree with you very, very much. And and I think you and I are probably no lawyers in other states. We're in a couple of groups that, you know, would allow us to reach out and find a lawyer quickly in, you know, Oregon or Florida or whatever. So um, it's, you know, as usual, if, if you have questions, I would talk to a, a good lawyer about it. And um, I think either one of us could probably help somebody find a, a lawyer in an area other than, than Texas or Colorado. So, okay. Well, that's all we have for today. If you like what you heard today, do us a favor and leave us a review. We appreciate all your feedback, especially when it helps us better the podcast. If you'd like to reach out to Ryan directly, we'll have his contact information listed in the description. We can't thank you enough, Ryan, for joining us today. We'll be back in a few weeks, the next episode. We will see you soon. For information about the topics covered in today's episode and more, you can visit our website at waltersgilbreth.com. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of For Better, Worse, or Divorce, where we post new episodes every first and third Wednesday. Do you have a topic you want discussed or a question for our hosts? Email us at podcast at waltersgilbreth.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time.